You should be good now. Be good now. All right, good. Good. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Is that better? Do I, do I have to tell my story? No. You know, John Hughes said, come preaching at him. And he wanted me to preach more. I'll be preaching two times in July, I believe. He said, come preach, and I'm going to be on sabbatical and so forth. And he says, now, I said, what's this theme? What's going on? You know, every time he called me to preach, he has a theme going on and so forth. He said, well, it's not a theme, Nettie. What, what we're talking about doing the sermon is, if this were your last sermon, what would you say to the people? I thought for a moment, it's like, <laughs> I'm getting out of here, but... <laughs> And so it immediately came to me what Paul said in, to Timothy, and, and, and then I thought about that for a moment. Paul was on his dying bed, so I didn't want to think that I'm on my dying bed, so I thought I'd say something else. If, if this was my last sermon and, and this was my last speech to you, um, the thing I would like to say to you is that Jesus is Lord. The whole theme and whole essence of the Bible is that Jesus is Lord. And my challenge to you would is that you would let him be the Lord of your life. That the Lordship of Jesus Christ is living for Christ. Living for Christ. And, and what I want to do is, is, is to talk about that just for a few minutes this morning. Is that if you would think about living for Christ, how would that look? How would living for Christ look? Well, in Romans 14, Paul talks about cultivating relationships. And in fact, he talks about cultivating good relationships and, and how that should look. And when I think about our society today is that we're divided or in controversy on every level, especially in the church, and we should not be. We, we're in controversy over different aspects, and, and I'll let you name them. In, in, in Romans 14, uh, they couldn't decide whether they wanted to eat meat or eat vegetables. They couldn't decide whether or not they want to worship on this day or that day, and they had these different of opinions about that. And so Paul addressed that from the standpoint is that I'm not going to take side one way or the other. What I'm going to do is to say the final solution to all matters in the church is lordship of Jesus Christ. Final solution to all matters in the church, in the body of Christ as Christians, is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I just want you to think for a moment before I read the scripture, just think for a moment is that if everyone would allow Jesus to be Lord of their lives, to think for them, to speak for them, and act for them, how would that look? in the church today? How would that look in our society today? How would society, how would the world look at us if Jesus was thinking for us, speaking for us, and acting for us? Who? Yeah, he has a lot to say about that. And so the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we got a lot of stuff that matters these days, right? I think I picked up the paper yesterday and I was talking about blue lives matter. A few days ago, they were talking about Black Lives Matter. You know, somebody said, well, when Christian was killed, what would Black Lives Matter? And all of these things. So a lot of things matter to us. We have categorically cataloged our differences. And we'd rather stick to our differences than to stick to the biblical basis and understand this is divisions and things that we have is of us and not of God. I heard Tony Evans say, and I like saying it, he said, black 
is only beautiful when it's biblical. He says white is only right when it agrees with holy writ. And we could go on with that. I won't belabor on that. Uh, since they put this, whatever translation it is up there, since they put it up there, I guess I'll have to read it in that translation. I'm like, whoever else was in, like, man, that's a long way to see. Um, <laughs> and I had to put, he had to put his own to see. I had to pull mine off to see. He says, now accept one another who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinion. One man has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eat vegetables only. I really don't like that because I'm a vegetable eater. Let not him who eat regard with contempt him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls. And I stand, and stand he will, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. And he who observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he who eats not. But the Lord, he does not eat and give thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, not one of one dies for himself. For if we live, we have for the Lord. We live for the Lord. Y'all bear with me? Or we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And this is a particular verse that I want you to pay attention to, verse 9. This, this is the culmination or the climax of, of what Paul is getting over. He said, for this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and of the living. But you, why did you judge your brother? Are you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Maybe I'll read more and I'll preach this morning. I got another translation I want to read. I like this one a little bit better. Can it be okay, Neil, if I read it? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong on opinion but weak in faith in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. For instance, a person who has been around for a while might well be convinced that he could eat anything on the table, while another with a different background may assume 
he should only be a vegetarian and eat accordingly. But since both are guests of, at Christ's table, wouldn't it be terribly rude if they failed to criticize him what the other one ate or didn't eat? God, after all, invited them both to the table. Do you have any business crossing people off the guest list or interfering with God's welcome? If there are corrections to be made, or manners to be learned, God can handle that without your help. I like that part. God's got this thing, man. Relax. Take a chill pill. Listen. Or say one person thinks that someday, or say one person thinks that some days should be set aside wholly, and another thinks that each day is pretty much like the other. There are good reasons either way. So each person is free to follow the conviction of conscience. What's important in all of this is that if you keep a holy day, keep it for God's sake. If you eat meat, eat to the glory of God and thank God for prime real. I know somebody, I could wait for somebody. And if you are vegetarian, eat vegetables to the glory of God and thank God for broccoli. You like that, don't you? <laughs> None of us are permitted to insist on our own way in these matters. It's God we are answerable all the way from life to death and everything in between, not each other. That's why Jesus lived and died and then lived again so that he could be our masters across the entire range of life and death and free us from predatrinities of each other. So, where does this leave you when you criticize a brother? And where does that leave you when you condescend a sister? I say it leaves you looking pretty silly, or worse. Eventually, we're all going to end up kneeling side by side in the place of judgment facing God. Your critical and condescending ways aren't going to improve your position there one bit. Read it for yourself in Scripture. As I live and breathe, God says, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will tell the honest truth that I and only I am God. I really like this part. So tend to your knitting. You got your hands full of just taking care of yourself, your own life before God. Hudson Taylor said, he is Lord of all or not Lord at all. In Tunica, they would say he's Lord of all or a Lord not at all. So um, this morning, I just want to talk about three things that would convince you that Jesus ought to be Lord of your life and that you would live accordingly and that you would act accordingly, that others would be attracted to Jesus because of the way you live. Number one, Jesus has rights of lordship of your life. He died to pay the penalty of sin. He rose to pardon us, and he lives to possess us. Since it's not up there, I'll go back to my notes here. So the rights of lordship, for to this end, Christ died and lives again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. 
He alone died to purchase us. He alone rose to pardon us. And he alone lives to possess us. And so when I look at scripture in Acts 20 and 28, Paul says to the elders, he said to the elders, say, take heed over the, over the church, over those that God has given you uh, uh, to shepherd over, and that by the Holy Spirit, you are now shepherds, uh, elders and shepherds of the flock, because God purchased the church with his own blood. And you know that when he's talking about the church, he's talking about you and he's talking about me because we are the body of Christ. It's not the building. It's not the sanctuary. It's not whatever else we refer to the church. It's you and I that are believers and followers in Christ that are the church. And so in First Corinthians six nineteen, he says, listen, he said, do you know that you're not your own? You were bought with the price. So your rights no longer belongs to you. I get people many times, well, I have a right. No, you don't have a right to your opinion. You don't have a right to anything else. Once you become a follower of Christ, you have the right to follow Christ because he owns you. He has lordship in your life. And so if I was going to say to you today, get your life right with Christ and live accordingly because we're living in the last days. We're living in terrible times. We're living in times where we don't know whether or not... Uh, uh, something's going to happen or not. Last night, I dropped my grandkids off. I was on the way to Kroger. I drove through the light by McDonald's. Just as I drove through the light, something said, bam, and, and tires began to squeal and whatever. Within 100 yards of me, somebody hit another car right in the middle of the intersection. I just went on what I was going. I said, thank you, Lord, and went on what I was going because I could have been in the middle of that intersection. We don't know when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, what's going to happen to us, how things are going to happen to us. But today, Jesus should be Lord of our lives. And so those things, he, he, he should be Lord of our lives because we're carnal. We were sold into carnal. We, we were, Paul says in, in Ephesians 2, he says we were dead in our trespasses and sin. But God, in his rich mercy, made us alive together with Christ Jesus. So what, I have to, what else do I have to say to convince you that Jesus ought to be Lord of your life? He ought to have the rights, the privilege, and opportunity to thank for you, speak for you, and certainly act for you in every aspect, every detail of your life, individually and collectively as we move through this. And so I think I won't spend a whole lot of more time on that except to say that Jesus died to purchase us, and, and to purchase us, he paid the penalty of sin for me and for you, and that gives him rights. You know, um, I purchased my vehicle. I purchased my house. I purchased other, my clothes and whatever else. I feel like I ought to be able to do with what I purchase as I feel. If I want to just look at it, I had a privilege to do that. If I want to dress up in it, or drive it, or live in it, or keep it clean, or just be at home in it, then that's my privilege, right? You understand ownership, right? Most of us understand ownership. And most of us decide with that which is mine. This is interesting. Sometimes my wife would say, you ought to wash God's car. <laughs> but then if I do something else to her car, <laughs> you got and so, so it's, it's sometime when, when something needs to be done to it and it's not getting the attention it needs, all of a sudden it's God's car. When, when she decided she want to do something with it, it belongs to her. And so this ownership thing, 
This ownership thing goes back and forth. And sometimes we're like that with our relationship with Christ. You know, sometimes he is Lord of our lives and tells us and dictates what we're doing. Sometimes, Lord, I got this. You know, just for a moment, Lord, just let me be by myself. Don't look at this. Take, you know, look the other way. Dude, I don't know what we'd be thinking. I don't know what I'd be thinking when I would think that the Lord doesn't see me or, or doesn't know what I'm thinking or know what I'm doing. And so sometimes we would say, you know, okay, God, you got this. And sometimes we say, God, I got this. And so as we look at that, then he died to purchase us. Then he died to pardon us. And so as, as I look at this thing about pardon us is that because of his goodness and his mercy, he just simply did this, and I'll move on to uh, he lives to possess us. He simply did this. He had mercy, and he gave us grace. I look at it like this. I did not get what I deserve. Man, I hear too many people say about other folks, not about themselves. You ever hear people say they need to get what they deserve? I wish they would get what they deserve. Uh, sometimes I watch the court system and I watch how people go to watch to, uh, what's going to happen to somebody that committed a crime or, or done something heinous crime to them or whatever else. And they say they can't get back on track until they see justice is done. Do you really want justice to be done? Do you really want uh, uh, to get what you deserve? I don't think so. And so God has called us to give to others that which he's given to us. That's why he lives, and i move to the next one. That's why he lives to possess us. He lives to possess us that he can do within us and through us and for us that which he wants to do in our lives today. And so the rights of my life belongs to Jesus Christ, none other. And, and I would challenge you today as my, if was my last sermon, or my last speech to you, or my last commendation, or my last thing that I can say to you today, is that you would give him the rights to be Lord of your life. And then the reality of it is, is that it's that way whether you like it or not. (laughs) That's the reality, because the the verse clearly says that uh, whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. So I got to be accountable in death, and I got to be responsible in life. Let me say that again. I got to be responsible unto the Lord Jesus Christ while I live, and I got to give account of him when I die. Account unto him when I die. Now, look at this. You know, you may say, well, I don't want to live responsible unto the Lord. I don't want to give him, I don't don't want to do that. Well, you're going to give an account to him whether you want to or not, because the Bible says every knee must bow, every tongue must confess that he is Lord. So you just need to get started now and just say, I'm going to live responsible unto him and give him the due respect that he needs today and I will obey him, follow him, and do as I should do biblically and so forth. And therefore, I will do that today as, as we look at the reality of lordship. Are you living responsible to the Lord? Are you living responsible to the Lord. You know, sometimes I get responsibility to that and I have to give an account of things that uh, I, don't have, I don't have the authority uh, or, or sometimes when I was pastoring, I pastored for 20-some years and, and sometimes I taken on things to do without uh, I had the responsibility or, or I had to be accountable to it whether I had control of it or not. Um, uh, and so sometimes as, as husbands and fathers and as mothers and, and others, we find ourselves in a position that we might be accountable for something.
he had absolutely nothing to do with it because it was just kind of put on us. And so we have to look at that. And so when we look at the reality of this thing of lordship, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die unto the Lord. And so in death, I'm accountable to him. In life, I'm responsible to him. And so um, Paul points out in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And he adds to that, he says, I do not set aside the grace of God in the 21st verse. He says, I'm not going to treat God's grace any way other than respectable and be responsible unto him. And then I'm accountable to him in death. And therefore, uh, uh, I will... Uh, do what I need to do now because once I die, I can't do anything about that. And so once life ceases, I got to be able to look at the record and look at what I have to be able to know that I'm in the right place at the right time. And so he says, we're going to come before the judgment seat of Christ to receive our reward of what is good, of what has been done good in this body, of what has been done in the body. And I just want to toss this in there. This is a little different from the great white throne. That's the different from that. So we all got to give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ of our stewardship with him. And so uh, we looked at the rights of, of the Lordship and we looked at the reality of Lordship. And then last thing I want to talk about and I'll be wrapped up is the rules of Lordship. The rules of Lordship is that he's Lord in the home. He's Lord in the church and he's Lord in the community, city, state, however you want to put that. He's Lord of my life in the home, in the church, and in the state. Now, how did that look? Lordship says, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Lordship in the home looks like the wife submit unto the own husband as unto the Lord. Children, obey your parents as unto the Lord. I hope you followed that, that line of thinking. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit unto your own husband as unto the Lord. Children, obey your parents as unto the Lord. So all of that lines up. And even after that, he talks about how we ought to deal with society and how we ought to deal with our employee and employees and all of those things. But right now, just in the home, he says for us to do what? Submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ as the head, as the wife, and as the children. Some children tell me sometimes, well, it ain't fair. It ain't this. It ain't. You know, what, what is my role in the family to obey the parent? So simple, isn't it? Just do what you're told to do in the discussion. There is no more discussion. You do what you're supposed to do. That's what lordship says in the home. And in, and in the church, the lordship just simply says, obey those who have rule of authority over you. If you cannot have the right kind of relationship in the home and they're not the kind of relationship, I, I won't go through how Tony Evans says. Tony Evans, he starts with, if you got a messed up relationship in the home and take that messed up relationship to the church, it messes up the church and, and, and go to the community, to the state, to the nation, to the world. You just got a messed up world because the relationship didn't start out right at home. And so the challenge is, is the lawship of Christ is ruling in my home, and if the Lordship of Christ is ruling in my home, I'll have a right kind of relationship when I go to the church. I'll have a right kind of relationship when I go into the community. And let me just tell you about the community. The community simply says, 
my lifestyle should be a lifestyle of reconciliation. Now, somebody know that Nettie Winters from Mission, Mississippi is going to be here. He's going to say at least two words about reconciliation, right? <laughs> well, what I want to say about reconciliation as it relates to the state is simply this, is that you have been reconciled unto God. I have been reconciled unto God. That makes us brothers and sisters, and so we ought to be living out the reconciliation that we already have. And so for us to talk about being reconciled is nonsense because we've already been reconciled. We've been reconciled unto God, and we've been reconciled unto each other. And Paul says because we have been reconciled unto each other, we can no longer act like we used to act when we were not reconciled unto the Lord. Now that I'm a new creature in Christ and that you're a new creature in Christ, then we ought to be loving on each other rather than having an adversarial relationship with one another. Right relationship simply means that we have right relationship with the Lord. He's lordship of our life. And if we can work this out with lordship of Christ, then every other aspect of our life will be lived out unto the lordship of Christ. I look at it like this. Everybody doing what they're supposed to do as unto the lordship of Christ, there will be no conflict, there will be no confusion, there will be no controversy in the home, in the church, or in the state. The problem is that we made up our own stuff, and I think sometimes somebody's laying awake at night writing up stuff to disagree on and fall out with and become controversial over, so when the sun comes up, we got a new thing that we can fall out about and disagree over. That's nonsense for the church. We are to have it. It's in God's word. How we ought to love each other, how we ought to serve one another, how we ought to forgive one another, how we ought to uh, pray for one another, how we ought to do good unto one another, all of those things, all of one another's are in there for us to do the right thing. And the Bible says that we're doing the right thing in the church. Society will look at what's happening in the church and say, I want some of that. Rather than how it looks today. You know how it looks today? People look at us and say, well, he says it's right. She says it's right. That church said they got it right. The church down the street said they got it right. None of them got it right. So I just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I used to go to the barber shop when I was pastoring. And I'd go in and I'd go to the barber shop. And most people at the barber shop at that time, barber, that barber shop I was going at that time, didn't recognize that I was the pastor of Hope Spring Church. And so I'd sit there and find out what's going on at my own church. You understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> They, they, would, they, would know, they would know who was going with who and who was going to this and who was doing this and who was doing that and all of this stuff about all the stuff that was going on in the church. I'm talking about, I'm talking about they were just racking it up. Not only at the church I was passing, but other churches. I'm sure uh, Bellwether will probably get that at the, somewhere along the way. But listen, and at the end of that discussion, they would say something crazy like this. Would you like to go to church with me on Sunday? after degrading everything they could possibly degrade about the people in the church, including the pastor, then they had the audacity to invite someone to go to church with them. Now, I was the pastor. I had to go. (laughs) But if I was on the other end of the invitation, I would say, with all you say going on with that, I'm good. (laughs) Wherever I go on Sunday, I'm good. I don't want to go to be a part of that. But now it's on Facebook's. Now it's on Twitter, Hangout, some other stuff that I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But they're, 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 social media got it, right? I think our president sometimes reads what's on <laughs> social media and responds. And so, and so we have everything out front, out there. Wouldn't it be great? 
today that if we were known for who we really are, disciples and followers of Christ, because we would have the audacity to let what politically correct go and do what is correct according to the word of God. Today, as I leave, as John Hugh would say, this is your last challenge, is that the rights of lordship, the reality of lordship, and the rule of lordship is that what has happened to us has radically changed us completely. Therefore, we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. People are looking for us to act different and to do different so they can be a part of the difference and the significance that we make. God bless you and God keep you. Thank you.